evening, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Mark, and it's the Licensing Podcast. And I'm with my partner here, Jared. How's it going, everybody? Today, we are interviewing uh, somebody I've known for many, many years, when, when she used to work with Disney here in Canada. And she has since moved on to Singapore, and she is now working with a smiley company covering the Asia Pacific region. Her name is Marie Kopp. Hi, good evening. How are you doing, Marie? Really good, thank you. Thanks for having me tonight. No problem. We have um, we have a pretty good history here, and I know that you've got a number of years working in the licensing industry, and uh, really we wanted to reach out to you just because of your experience moving from North America to the Pacific Rim region and just some of your insights on moving and just basically to hear your story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your licensing journey? For sure. Um, So I actually started in France because I'm originally from France. Um, After my university and graduation, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Um, And I really, really wanted to work in a kids-related industry. So it could have been anything. But the company I had in mind was Disney. And I said, after my graduation, I will try everything to get into Disney. And it didn't take really long. I think about a year and a half or two years after I graduated, I was able to get a position at Disney as a product developer. So it was really a creative role for stationary business. And I think I I stopped counting the years, but it was about 16 or 17 years ago. And I worked as an assistant for product development and my boss left to Brazil. So I got the opportunity to take her job and starting getting into category management. And from there, I decided to move to Canada after three years in France. And this move was really a personal choice to uh, go and decide something a bit new in the journey of like learning and getting to live in a different country. So we both moved, my husband and I, to Canada. And I was lucky enough to reapply at Disney and find a job there as a product developer again, and then category management. Um, And I stayed in Canada for seven years, where I spent my whole time with Disney in different roles, from category management to product development and retail marketing. And after these seven years, my husband was transferred to Singapore. So that's how I moved here in Singapore. Um, And again, lucky enough to be able to uh, reapply at Disney. There's a huge uh, Southeast Asia office here um, in Singapore covering all of Southeast Asia. So, yeah, I reached out to some people I used to work with in the UK who were based in Singapore and uh, got a new role in food, health and beauty, which was the last category I haven't touched in licensing. So and I did about three years at Disney Singapore before switching to Smiley. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about about your experience with with the market in Asia, do you do you find it's a lot different? Is it like what are the nuances that you would say that are different about the Asian market within licensing and the and the North American market or even the European market, which you also have a lot of uh, experience in? Yeah, it's very different. First of all, uh, Southeast Asia 
um, consists of like six countries and all of these countries are extremely different. So between Indonesia and Thailand and Singapore, you have like countries that are still being developed. Um, a level of like salary that is very low, the price point that is very different between Singapore and, and Indonesia, it's it's really no, com no comparison. So there is the cultural aspect where you have the religious uh, culture, the regular culture of all the people and the taste of the people that are really, really different. Um, these six countries, Vietnam, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines, Thailand and Indonesia, um, have to be managed individually. So you can just have like a regional vision and then try to apply that to all the countries. So I found it like for Europe is slightly different because even though we have 15 different countries in Europe, the cultural gap is not as big as it could be in Southeast Asia or even in Asia. And North America is similar. So between Canada and US, you do have some cultural difference and taste but overall, uh, it's not a huge, huge gap. So you can still manage the business uh, with the North American vision, which you cannot do for the Southeast Asian vision. There's no Southeast Asia. Uh, it's each individual countries. And then the other thing that I found really different is the amount of license that you have um, in the market. I mean, in, in North America and in in Europe, you do have quite a bit, but they're all international. Here you have all these local characters uh, that the kids are really, really um, following on YouTube. And these characters are, um, we never heard of them before in Europe or in North America. Like the Bobo Boy, who's this Muslim robot, um, is incredibly successful in Malaysia and Indonesia. And he's actually doing better than certain Disney property uh, in in key categories so that is that was new to learn like all these new characters and properties that you never heard of before and i found it's also a market that is moving extremely fast so four or five years ago it was still like a learning business for everybody a lot of people didn't know about licensing and now it's starting to be almost crowded so it does uh grow up really really fast uh, sorry, you just piqued my interest with something, and and it, one of the reasons for this podcast is for people to learn, of course. Uh, and that is the fact that you just uh, mentioned a YouTube character is gaining great popularity. Is is this something that was like a homegrown thing that that was picked up on YouTube, and then and now it's actually people are actually monetizing it with product? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was just, just started with like a mini series on YouTube. Um, then they did TV um, and now they applied like all they do the licensing business on food, on toys, on back to school. So it became like a really, really big property in Malaysia and Indonesia. And this character only speaks Bahasa or Malay. So it's really, really a local uh, property. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. And it seems to be probably an indicator of things to come. Yeah. Very interesting. So I want to dial it back a little bit and get a little bit more personal. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your favorite licensing story or anecdote, something that you've been involved with that was really interesting for you personally? 
Yeah, I think I will pick the probably the most recent one in Thailand, where for the Smiley Company, we um, opened the office recently in Singapore about a year and a half ago. And my priority was really into Thailand and Indonesia. So I went to Thailand for meeting the big retailers. Um, and I thought that I would need like some sort of promotion to be able to talk about Smiley and show Smiley to the people. So I went to the biggest retailer, Central, um, and I suggested to do a mall event with them, which they do every year. And that was about a year ago. Um, so I went to pitch them on the end of year promotion uh, with Smiley. And they said, oh, it's a bit late now because we already have a brand that we're going to go with. Um, usually it's Disney because <laughs> I used to work with them also on Disney. So they decided to uh, allow me to come and pitch Smiley, but they were really not, um, they were a bit pessimistic in terms of like the chance of getting a promotion with them this year because it was really short term. So I ended up pitching them and they loved the concept and they decided to actually switch from the property they had picked to Smiley and created a mall event uh, in one of the biggest mall in Bangkok, which um, is the mall that everybody's going from all over Asia to uh, do the end of year shopping. And from there, we actually did like this huge installation with like five meter tall Smiley all over outside of the mall. And they called me over the summer and they say, we think that we should do that in more than one mall. So we want to expand to 32 malls. And that was the first ever Smiley promotion that was replicated everywhere in 32 malls at the same time at the end of year period, which is really key for licensing in Southeast Asia. Um, so it was a great success story. And I think it also shows that never, never really give up and think that it's too late because if something is really appealing and if something is really different, um, you still have a chance to get a really nice promotion out there and it was really well executed. So I think it's one of my favorite recent story about licensing and uh, this small event are also very typical from uh, Southeast Asia because the mall have a lot of money to spend, which is not the case in Europe. And I don't think we do that much mall event in North America, but in Asia, it's like a whole separate business. Oh, sorry, Jared. Do you can you repeat that? No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask, what was it about the pitch that made them switch from whatever property they were looking at to the Smiley Company? What what was it that made your pitch so successful? So, if if you if you know thailand is the land of the smile so my whole pitch was around like bringing the smile to the consumer and bringing a property that has never been used before in southeast asia um, i knew they were talking to disney and they were uh, in talk to do like a winnie the pooh uh, promotion for the birthday uh, anniversary of winnie the pooh but when i came and i they knew i was from disney so it was i was not trying to show what was best or not good. I was just trying to say, if we do something slightly different, a lifestyle brand that nobody has seen before, you will be really unique in the market. Um, so the pitch was all about being the first one to market Smiley and also represent the land of the smile with the most iconic smile in the planet. So I think that's what they like. And I came with a 3D concept, which definitely helped because uh, you can talk all 
all the time you have, but if you don't have the right concept or the right picture, uh, it's always hard to convince the, the key uh, people to, or the, the, the people who are the decision maker. Absolutely, incredibly important that, yeah. I mean, art is such a key driver for anything that we do, because basically it's a huge part of the intellectual property. I mean, it's, you are selling the idea, but basically, I mean, just look at Mickey Mouse. It's such a huge part of the idea of Disney. So it's just having that icon to be able to fall back on. And if you can renew it and you can make it fresh, it's always, it's always a fantastic uh, ideal to be able to to push forward. Great. I mean, that's a fantastic story. So what do you think is the driving force why people gravitate towards licensed products like Disney or like Smiley? So I think there's uh, there's two different angles. There are people like who really likes the license because they like the content. I think that's true for Disney and Marvel and Lucas, where there's a lot of content and people are fed with a lot of like TV series and commercials and movies that are really most of the time great blockbusters movies. Um, you have other properties like the local properties or Smiley that are not content driven and they're more like a lifestyle or they're more into um, cultural taste. So I think people like the fact that first of all, licensing is most of the time about happiness and um, happy ideas. They're not just, um, they, they give people like a little bit of dream, a little bit of uh, way of like looking at life in the bright side so it's, an, it's they have an emotional connection to it exactly it's all about emotion it's about what they like and getting outside of their everyday word world so um but content is definitely uh driving for i would say the biggest properties like disney marvel and lucas smiley doesn't have any content beside the the collaboration we're doing with our partners which is i think amazing the fact that this company has been around 47 years uh, without any content on TV or content on um, theater, but still able to renew and refresh. There is also a good, um, I think, attraction for, for the design. So it's something that both Disney and Smiley have been able to do. And I think um, Smiley with the limited amount of assets or the limited amount of property they have, have been able to really refresh uh, and release hundreds of style guides every year, giving uh, our partners the choice to really create something unique. So I think there, there is this emotional link and there is also this taste for something nice on the market that doesn't look too bland. So it's more about you would say it's more about not necessarily all about the content. It's about the content and the reasoning behind it. It's almost psychological. Yeah. And the creativity, like the fact that you can bring something on the market that looks very nice and different. So even if you don't have content like Smiley, but you have great creative, um, you can achieve and you can really uh, attract people to buy your product and to really like and feel connected to the product without having the content. Fantastic. So apart from Smiley, what 
would be your favorite property? Uh, I have to Specific. say Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse? Mickey, I mean, it's perennial, isn't it? It is iconic. It is also, I started working for the mouse and that was my ultimate goal when I was a student. So I learned a lot, uh, almost 11 years at Disney. So this little guy taught me a lot and um, still has a lot to teach. So I would keep Mickey Mouse on the number one position. I wonder what happens when the trademark runs out next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Disney will find a way around it. For sure. <laughs> they and still it have is the year original. of the rat next year, so for the Chinese. So. <laughs> Marie, you were, you were mentioning about um, all the style guides that the Smiley Company puts out and with, with limited assets. I, I was reading in one of the licensing publications that the company reached a milestone. It's now generating more than 500 million in revenue uh, annually. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what is the secret to their success? It is definitely creativity. Um, and when I came from Disney, I was like, oh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do with this smiling face and what we can do with that because there's not much beside a yellow uh, smiling face. But then I started looking into the library and I think their secret is really, really one, having refresh and beautiful creative. Second of all is the partners that they have. They do partner and do collaboration with people that are super, super high end, like Anya in March, uh, Chinatown Market, and all of these people that are creating a lot of buzz around um, the brand. Um, we work with Moschino as well. We've been working with Moschino for like six years, but they're also able to work with like more mass market uh, partners like Primark. So they are able to differentiate the product and without sacrificing the quality of the product. So the the secret recipe will be really the, the creative that they have and the vault of creative they have, as well as the partnership. Um, and the collaboration. It's all about co-creation with Smiley. It's not just licensing. We don't give the license to someone. We co-create and we collaborate with them. Thank you. Great answer. Wow. Outstanding. I can't. We've already run through 20 minutes. Um, okay. We've got time for probably about two more questions. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe how fast this has gone. Um, <laughs> What do you see as the challenges to the licensing business as it applies to your territory and your categories in the coming years? I think saturation. Um, there's a lot of uh, characters and properties on the market. So that comes to, even though you keep on refreshing and having new contents, uh, there's a lot of like content that's being refreshed, but using the same uh, the same original content. So some people are looking for newness and I think it's helping Smiley because we are coming with something different and not just character driven. So there's tons of characters around and tons of competition. The other challenge would be retail space. Uh, always fighting, it doesn't matter if you're a lifestyle brand or if you're a character driven brand, you're still licensing and space in store is not uh, unlimited. So I think that would be uh, a big, big challenge. And in my region specifically, one of the eternal challenge is the counterfeit. So we have, and it doesn't only apply to Smiley, it also applies to all of the big brands, uh, sports brand and Disney and Adidas and Nike. 
you have counterfeit everywhere and they're pretty well executed and you can find them uh, easily and it's really, really hard to get your product protected. Uh, one of the reasons Smiley is still using the, the hologram on the product is to be able to stop the product at, at the custom. But that is not enough. So we know that we've been able to destroy many products um, in the region, uh, but it's, it's still very challenging because people don't necessarily see why they would have to pay to get something that they can probably do for free uh, until they get caught. So it's, um, it's specific to Asia, I think, this challenge. The rest could be probably not specific to Asia. The retail space and the saturation of, on the market is probably something that North America and Europe is also uh, experiencing right now. Um, actually, you've, brought, you've kind of brought up a good point um, with uh, online sales. I I'm, don't know what the reach of Amazon is down there. However, uh, Alibaba must be pretty prevalent in uh, in your region, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Alibaba is much bigger than Amazon, and then we have Lazada in Southeast Asia, who belongs to Alibaba. Okay. And okay. they are the Amazon of Southeast Asia, so they're they're really big, and the online business was about 1% of total retail sales about three years ago, and it already represents 5% of the total business. Um, but you have to put things in perspective. 5% of the total retail means that you still have 95% of the business to be doing in brick and mortar. Yeah. So I don't think brick and mortar is dying. It's just slowing down, and it is definitely uh, time and important to also dedicate uh, resource and uh, material to online business because this is the new way of shopping and definitely more and more people are shopping especially in Asia online they they all have two or three handphones so um, it is something that we have to look at but we have to be careful on the way we're not cannibalizing any of the sales in store is is e-commerce in Southeast Asia in Asia, in, in your region is it um, more advanced than in North America? Is it behind? Are they about the same? What, what would your opinion be on that? I think uh, it's about the same in terms of like uh, technology and how you can end the experience and the user experience. Um, it might be slightly behind in terms of penetration or number of people buying online, but Overall penetration of the online is, is really, really high in all the countries, even the countries where people barely have enough money to eat, they already have a cell phone. So yeah, it's pretty much advanced. It's just a matter of like now converting people and retailers. It's not just the consumer, it's the people and the offering online, because there's a lot of monopoly right now between Alibaba and Lazara. So, and the other issue we have is uh, the cross-border e-commerce so a lot of people about 60 percent of the transaction online um, in southeast asia are actually made in china so most of the people are buying on chinese website incredible okay so uh we are down to our last question um and this is the one i sent you a little bit earlier today actually yesterday evening for you yeah. um, so I hope you had some time to think about it. Um, but what do you have any advice for somebody who wants to work in licensing or wa someone who wants to start a licensing business, um, either with a licensee, a licensor or an agency? 
Yeah, I think uh, the most important is to always evaluate the market you're in. So when I first approached Smiley, um, the first thing I did was like an overview of the markets. Um, what was the situation in terms of licensing and the consumers' preferences, culture, likes, dislike, um, the retail analytics and trying to see who were the key players for um, each country. And that is very important because you also want to check your competitors. And as I was saying earlier, there's a lot of like, it's, it's becoming really crowded on this market. So you want to make sure you're not starting something that is either dying or not even uh, picking up in a certain region. Um, so always look at your competitor, always look at the need and the demands, like who's looking for what. And if you already, are you bringing something different and unique? Uh, you might not be bringing something totally new and you might not bring a new property, but you might bring a new vision to how you're doing business and bringing something to the consumers or to the retailers. Something like the promotion we did with Central across 32 malls um, was really something different as we were not bringing a new character. It was not a character appearance uh, like most of the mall events are doing. They're paying to get a character coming, uh, waving at the, the crowd and then leaving. We didn't have any characters, so we had to bring something new and we had to bring experience and I think that would be my 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 best advice is to really look at the environment and see what new you can bring to the industry or to the the consumers. Outstanding. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's about it for time. I, Marie, I want to thank you so much. This has been a great interview. I've I've learned. I personally have learned a lot. <laughs> I think I'm hoping that our listeners have learned a lot as well. And I, I, uh, I look forward to getting this up and getting uh, all fantastic insights out there into the world. Yeah, thank you so much. And then Absolutely. if there's any question after the podcast or anything that people want to ask me, um, they can reach out to me at mariecop at smiley.com uh, or visit the website smiley.com and, and find some information on there for the, the region. Absolutely, and I will uh, put a link to uh, to Marie's LinkedIn in the comments down below. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you very much, Jared, and thank you, Marie. It has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Marie. Have a great night. Have a great night. Thanks a lot, guys.